0: And uh, tonight, in this episode, William Ramsey joins us. He's a researcher and author of books such as Children of the Damned, Abomination, and Prophet of Evil, as well as has a YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. My website is JimDukePerspective.com, and that's where you can listen to the show and uh, listen to past podcast archives and articles and such. Well, let's get started. My guest tonight, William Ramsey. He's researched criminal cases such as the Memphis West Memphis Three and Smiley Face Killers and their occult connections, as well as the influence of Aleister Crowley in society and in the Hollywood cabal. William, thank you very much for coming on the broadcast. Jim, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Now, why don't you bring up us up to date on your current research and how it all connects to the occult?
1: Well, it goes back to my original research into Crowley. I researched Crowley. I wrote a book, Prophet of Evil, about Crowley's uh, influence upon the events of 9-11. And while I was researching that, I was trying to finish up a book Crowley's influence on the 20th century. The title is Children of the Beast, Alistair Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, where I was looking through all these different individuals from around Crowley's era. Crowley lived from 1875, died in 1947, all the way up to the present. And when I was recording that, our researching that i kept seeing these smiley faces primarily um, reference to alan moore's the watchman series where the comedian has smiley faces on his gun on his lapel all this stuff but there's also blood on it so i kept seeing the smiley face and that kind of led me to this this kind of what i thought was an urban legend something that was referenced in the comic culture as the smiley face killings with. Uh, you know, supposedly this phenomenon, or was in my mind back then, this phenomenon of young men uh, going out at night in bars, primarily, uh, at least according to the researchers happening in the Northwest of the United States. Now, didn't, you, so,
0: didn't you say that this was not in really in the mainstream? So you kind of just caught, had to catch it? I mean, it, it right.
1: Had... <clears throat> well, I had heard, I think I had heard an interview done before, and I had seen the smiley face, and there had been some uh, videos online that I had seen. So I had a very vague kind of understanding. But what I started to do is research these smiley faces and the kind of meaning and the representation of the smiley face. And as I was researching, I, I kind of, you know, was following cases. I had research the primary book and the primary researchers. Uh, the book is, is uh, titled Case Studies in Drowning Forensics. It was written by a uh, a professor by the name of. Gilbertson, and a police officer in New York by the name of Gannon. Gannon and his partner Duarte were both police officers who had seen certain cases that were similar, and this uh, Gilbertson was a similar researcher who saw cases, I believe he was in Wisconsin, he's a criminal uh, professor of criminal justice, and so they met up and wrote this book, it's a very detailed book, they cover 14 cases, and uh, so I found that book and read it, and looked at some of these old articles, these old interviews. There was an interview on Coast to Coast with a journalist by the name of Christy Peel. There was two hours of her discussing these cases. And so as I was researching, I, I ran into the chief researcher of my documentary, a documentary I put out in 2016, October of 2016, 2017, excuse me, uh, the title of which is The smiley Face Killers Who Was Abducting, Torturing, and Murdering college Age Men. And uh, the guy, the researcher's name is Jim Smith. So we started following these cases. And then I started seeing these cases happen. So different than what Yannon and Gilbertson had said, I tried to reach out to them. I was never able to contact them. But uh, I just started, I thought that they had dropped off the face of the earth. I really didn't know what, what they were up to. But really the first case that was of interest to me where I saw a young man disappear and then be found in water uh, was Joey Labute out of Columbus, Ohio. So really what these these cases what these uh researchers noticed was this pattern of young men out disappearing for a time where they should have been found a large search happening and then being found in water. So that was really the the fundamental MO of what was known as the Smiley Face Killers. The reason it got these murders got the name the Smiley Face Killers is because at many of the cases, if not if not all, according to the research of Gilbertson again, and Gannon, they would find a spray-painted smiley face.
0: Now, what's strange is it was they were they were uh, considered athletic boys that mm-hmm. were that were you know they were not people that could easily be abducted. It seems um, so they probably had to be drugged. I'd imagine. Uh, I watched. Well, that's a
1: great point. I think they're all probably drugged. Mm-hmm. I think that most of them have been drugged. So that one of the themes that runs through the book by Gannon and Gilbertson is G- GHB. It's gamma-hydroxybutyrate, which is endogenous to the human body, but in large doses, uh, people become incapacitated. They lose their memory, and this GHB is, is, is present in many of the cases they researched.
0: And it, it seems that there were uh, 30 to 40 cases across the
1: country at first, and uh, there's right. quite more than that, right? Well, I, I think I've, I think my research and Jim Smiths research it's at least two to 300 worldwide. Wow. So what we, we yeah, what we expanded upon their research, well, you know, and they may know this, they haven't publicized it uh, again in Gilbertson, Duarte. Uh, but we've traced at least 200, at least 200 of these types of murders of young men. It's actually happening in the U.K with great frequency, and I've actually traced cases that happened in Germany. Netherlands, Denmark, Spain, Italy, there's uh, possibly cases, and definitely one in Thailand. So this whole phenomenon of young men being stalked, abducted, and drugged is not exclusive to the Northwest. There's actually many cases in Florida, in Texas, there's been an outbreak in Austin, there's uh, San Francisco, Seattle, Canada, Toronto, so... Same uh, same uh, MO, like uh, the correct. smiley face... Well, we found some smiley faces in some of the more recent cases, but not everywhere. Not with the kind of prevalence that Gannon and Gilbertson seem to have had, but definitely some. There was a Zach Mark case out of Boston, New York. There was a kid by the name of Hart in Providence, Rhode Island. Evidence of torture. Um, smiley face was found where his body was found. So there, there's been some, I wouldn't say, but definitely, you know, some of these uh, the cases that Gannon and Gilbertson covered uh, notorious like one was Todd Guybe. And he was in Michigan, and they found a smiley face on his headstone when he died. So somebody had taken the time to go to where he had passed away and put a smiley face. There's a case out of Georgia, Nasrahimi. There's a smiley face associated. So it is in my. I couldn't discount it as a correlate as a correlation to these deaths. So uh, in
0: in in a lot of them, they are connected with a smiley face uh, uh, marking or whatever. So- yeah, right. So, so that exactly. would and and people would say, well, they're not re- they might not be related. You know, especially around the country, how can they not be related on some uh, except for if, you know, somebody's doing a copycat type of thing. Right.
1: Well, that's a good point. I mean, there there's a potential of some of these crimes being a copycat or somebody has learned the MO, but I believe the original cases and this phenomenon is learned somewhere through the internet or through fetlife or some type of community, even through a message board of people saying oh this is how you can do it. So I do believe that there's some form of communication between perpetrators in this in the kind of community that is is targeting young men. And they're not financial crimes. Nobody's you know uh debit card or credit card has been misplaced. There's been no calls to the family, but it also the reason why the men seem to be in this low kind of ideal, they seem to be athletic, but they, I think that they're attracted People are attracted to them, um, uh, men to men. So I believe that that's the primary uh, motive for these abductions.
0: Is there any signs of rape on them or anything?
1: Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think one of the shortcomings of these crimes and one of the tricks of the actual crime is convincing authorities to think they're accidental drowning. So these guys drank too much and fell in water and drowned. And so I think a preliminary, these preliminary um, analyses is that it's an accidental drowning. So they're never really checked. And unfortunately, a lot of these autopsies are not publicly or are available. So you don't know really what the injuries were. The FBI knows and some of these other things. And now yeah, we can talk about the FBI in this recent case of uh, Dakota James, but, uh, there is a, there is the thing now I I do include, I included the, the term t- torture in my documentary because, Um, The men seem to be being held for a period of time, whether it's a day, two days. And in the case of a young man by the name of Dakota James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he was missing for 40 days. And uh, it's a very interesting case and probably one of the primary cases that I studied in my documentary. And it's uh, remarkable that the police called it an accidental drowning because Gannon and Gilbertson are now um, in a six-part series with Oxygen covering some of these cases that they had covered in case studies and forensic drownings. Actually, the only case in that six-part series that's not in case studies of forensic drownings is the Dakota James case. But the other three cases were McNeil out of New York, Homan, I believe, in Wisconsin, Booth, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Wellzine, I believe Chicago, and Guy, who we talked about in Michigan. But uh, the first Part of the series was the case of Dakota James, where they involved a very well-known forensic pathologist, Cyril Wecht, who happens to be outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the body of Dakota James was found. But they um, were able to get the autopsy report with some pictures, and it clearly showed one that the body of Dakota James was white, which after 40 days in water, the body actually um, decays quite a bit, even if it's cold. And they they found that there were ligature marks around his neck that the original medical examiner did not disclose on the autopsy report. So the picture showed it, but the autopsy report did not. And the medical examiner was some guy, I think his name was Bang Zhu Yang. He's from China. He's a Chinese native. But I do think that that's indicative that many of these autopsy reports and medical examinations that took place to these victims are bungled. And uh, it was a remarkable moment. I think for people who are researching these cases, there's a bunch of armchair researchers like me who are following these cases and making spreadsheets and things like that. But um, the Dakota James show on Oxygen featuring Gilbertson, Gannon, Duarte, and another uh, police officer by the name of Donovan, a New York police officer, was remarkable. And the good news, if people are interested, they can see it online on YouTube at the Oxygen um, YouTube channel. And there was a couple other things, not, not just the involvement of Cyril Weck, but I was disclosed by the mother of Dakota James, her name is Pam James, that when she went to talk to the district attorney, both the FBI and the Secret Service were in that meeting to talk about it. So it was, it was a quite a shock to people who follow these cases that the government has is, have, is involved in some form of oversight, the totality of which I don't know, but... I'm pleased to that they are actually uh, seem to be following at least this one case I don't know if all the cases but uh yeah it's a really remarkable to Cody James
0: if the secret services is involved and uh that's kind of strange um you know, what What I have found in, is that sometimes these rituals, these these things may be rituals that people are covering up, and sometimes they bring agencies in in order to protect the perpetrators if they well, know they're high profile. Well, that's a great
1: point. Right. Well, that's a great point. So if the FBI and Secret Service are there, are they there to find justice or are they for a cover-up, right? Right. Now, nobody's got caught for any of these. Well, it's a good question. There have been um, some people who have been arrested. When I talk in my documentary, I include three people who um, are like typology of, of possible offenders. Probably the most famous one or somebody that I followed was a fairly recent case of a man in London by the name of Stephen Port, whose victims fit the same profile of the smiley face killer victims. Younger men, littler on the skinnier side, not even athletic like medium build, but just a little skinnier than that. And he was GHB-ing them. He was abducting them, GHBing them. And then he would dump their bodies in a graveyard and, and falsify their deaths, like either a suicide <clears throat> or a uh, fake note or something like that, or an overdose. And uh, he actually got away, for, he got away with it for a long time. But he was uh, one of these types of people who got caught. There was another man I included who um, was abducting men from bars late at night and literally tying them up. And there was another one who was a stone cold occultist. His name was Peter Christofferson. He was, uh, as a devotee of Aleister Crowley, believe it or not, who, uh, wrote something with Trent Reznor. Uh, he was actually a video producer, but he wrote something that I thought fit the exact MO of the crime, which was called broken. It was a video that involved S and M bondage, torture and murder. And, uh, During that video, it actually starts off with a group of guys in a car, you know, going down the street. It looked like they were just kind of cruising. They happen upon a young man and start talking to him. That young man ends up in a chair, tortured, beat up, and murdered. So um, I did have some people. So the exact perpetrators of the crime caught, no. So uh, uh, there's definitely at least one serial killer out there preying on young men, no question, at least one.
0: And they can't get any information about the ones that did get caught of any connection they made or anything that they're
1: involved in. Well, that's a good question. You know, you don't know. Like, you don't know Stephen Port was definitely on all of these gay apps, right? He was on Grinder. I can't remember the names of the other ones. Some that I don't even know, but he was on these apps. He was clearly in that community, and nobody knows how many people he might have killed it, or people that he might have thrown in water too, right? So he just got busted for, I think, four. Um, so and the same thing with this other guy's name was Lamphere. He was out very close to the epicenter of all the cases of Gannon and Gilbertson found. You know, you get caught with two. But who knows? He actually had two men tied up in his room. And and it was odd, too, because he was married. I think he was a hetero. He was outwardly heterosexual. Um, but uh, he had one of the young men escaped. And that's how they both got saved. But who knows how many Lampere killed? You know, I don't know. And so the connection is, is why do these people, and the question that I tried to answer is, how do these people in disparate locations and jurisdictions, why are these young men happening, disappearing and dying in water the same way, right? Yeah,
0: that's what's strange to me. That's what I wanted to get to is, like, is Very there strange. some significance of the water? And is there, you know, if if the mafia did it, you, you'd know that it was some kind of target or hit, because they right. knew something or they're trying to cover something. But this seems to be the same type of build of men, um, athletics and such, or kids or whatever, uh, young men. And and uh, it, it seems to be the same thing, but it doesn't seem to be targeted hits. It seems to be more ritualistic.
1: Well, there's an element of that to it. You know, there's this whole idea, bounding, binding, and Jacoby James himself clearly tied up. And, you know, so there might be some ritual element of water drowning. There's clearly, I found in my research, I saw this movie on Netflix called Kink, where there it's like, fits this profile of these killings where they're taking a young man and torturing him in water, drowning him and stuff like that. So these things definitely happen. Um, whether they're like, Peter Christofferson was a heavy duty Crowley devotee and associated with some very strange people. Who also carry and wear the smiley face symbol, right? So the is that smiley face it, symbol shows up all over in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, well, it shows up in Walmart too. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Hollywood. Well, there I mean <laughs> the thing is is that it's like any other occult symbol. It has an external meaning, esoteric, exoteric and esoteric. Right, right? exactly. We talked so, about
0: that. Yep. Yeah, my my so listeners are very familiar with that.
1: You'll see the smiley face in contexts that are very strange, very Hollywood. In movies there was a smiley face used at the very beginning of it um it this kind of film that was very popular, a Stephen King movie. So you'll see it around it was in uh in the uh film Fight Club. So these guys are like involved in Operation Mayhem putting smiley faces up in public places. So it's around it, yeah. And that yeah it's really remarkable how the usage, you know, the primary usage in my belief that the smiley face is, actually is a a cult symbol that that exemplifies this idea within the occult that the universe is a big joke, and it's 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 actually stated by the same guy um, who plays Negan in The Walking Dead. He was the guy who played the comedian in The Watchmen, where he all just says it's a big joke. And he used to, uh, the the real sequences within Watchmen. He goes to Vietnam and just creates carnage and mayhem and laughs about it. He didn't care; it was a big joke. So that's why that symbol, at least in The Watchmen, has that blood stain on top of it. That's my belief. So I believe it's used within that context. It actually goes back to William Burroughs. All these kind of creepy um countercultural figures have used it, and a very pro- it was very prominent in the, in the in the very beginning of the rave scene, electronic music, etc. <laughs>
0: That's very interesting because uh, my wife often uh, busts on me because I find offense uh, with all the symbols that I see and. And she tells everybody, oh, he has a problem with the smiley face. And, you know, I didn't until this case, uh, you know, but (laughs) now I guess I do. (laughs) Well, I'm
1: yeah. I mean, it's pretty remarkable that these symbols are being used. Now, there has been people who have analyzed these cases and discounted the phenomenon. And they've stated that, you know, the smiley face is ubiquitous. It's used everywhere. And that's true. However, it's not used you know it's it's odd that it's used in all these other occult contexts which they failed to uh, recognize you know
0: that's what people don't recognize they don't realize that it's it's all about context like like you know the illuminates or the witches do not own a triangle but when they have a triangle flash in a certain instance uh, especially deliberately with their with their hand gestures and stuff right. it does have symbolism meaning symbolic Absolutely. meaning but you Absolutely. know if you're seeing it on Sesame Street and they're talking about uh, different shapes and they're talking about shapes no it probably wasn't deliberate but people right. often so. miss that and say, uh, you guys are paranoid that, you know, the every time you right. see a triangle doesn't mean them. But if you're watching That's a true. stage performance and you're seeing triangles being flashed in a stage performance, you know, in unison with eyes and stuff, I mean, come on. How obviously blatant right. can you be? Well, a
1: lot of those people who are discounted are actually, a lot of them I've found out initiates. So they're trying to disabuse people from actually inquiring and asking too many questions. But there's so many uses of Crowley's Numbers 93, 11, 77, and all these other occult contexts that it's undeniable, especially the smiley face. There's a whole bunch of other, you know, strange gestures, sign of silence, symbols, and things like that these guys use to communicate with each other. So the smiley face had used within these contexts of these deaths may be a tag, an occult tag. Do you want to
0: talk about some of the symbolisms, or do you want to talk about the uh, West Memphis incident? Does that tie in anything? That...
1: Well, not really. I mean, okay. the only thing that was, West Memphis 3 was a case that involved, I got into that case because of the people involved, at least the, the chief person involved, Damien Eccles, was interested in Alistair Crowley. He actually said after his conviction, after his release in 2011, uh, with the help of all these Hollywood-type figures, that he was put in jail because of his love for the knowledge of Alistair Crowley. He's flat-out admitted it. So, um, you know there's all kinds of occultism that people deny um associated with that case but uh that it tying into the smiley face killers i mean there might be a little tie but you know it's it's not
0: overt right but it's tied in with the occult cuz no alistair Crowley seems to be the the common uh, the common Well when uh, you when you talked about
1: right when you talked about drowning the boys the three boys who were murdered eight years old and the west memphis three murders were drowned two of them were tied up in rope and drowned, ritually drowned. Oh.
0: Hmm. No, there's a there's a significant tie in there, a connection.
1: Right. So there's all kinds of strange things these occultists do with water that the public doesn't really understand. I don't say I fully understand it because I'm not a practicing occultist, but I want to understand what they're thinking and why they do it, you know. Well if
0: if 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 we can stretch it a little bit, like when people were doing that ritual with the ice bucket ritual they didn 't right. realize that's a sort of there, there was an occult uh baptism tie with that um, and water has significant with baptism and when you're linking baptism or or death or ritual with water, it's almost like a baptism of death a, a, a right. sort of assimilated or offering and burials such so to speak it might have some kind of tie that way.
1: Well, that's what I've been told. I've heard it, I've heard people say that drowning in water is a mockery of the baptism, right? So it's a totally anti-Christian. So, I don't know. I don't know. I've heard other things about the killing of the ideal young man, Antonus, in the Nile by Hadrian, the Roman emperor. So, you know, I've heard offerings to Horus. So I've heard all kinds of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, but, you know, I can't confirm it.
0: I yeah. Know. But it, it's it's definitely tied into occultism. If they're not uh, following a ritual, they're definitely following a spirit that's that's uh, kind of uh, conducting them or causing them to be that that mentally ill to be able to do these kind of things. So you know, um, we often tie these things with either a a deliberate uh, sect of some kind that is directing these things. Or individually, it doesn't matter because the same spirit's causing these people to repeat the same pattern. So either right. way, that's a cult tied with, you know, demonic spirits and such.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's possibly a thing. I mean, there's some cases you look into and you can tell these people got mixed up with the wrong crowd, you know. And uh, some are flat-out witches and then ended up dead. So it's uh, it's a shame.
0: And didn't you say some celebrities have come to the aid and support of some of these people?
1: No, no, only for the West Memphis Three. So the right, West right, Memphis right. Three that, involved,
0: that's yeah,
1: right? Yeah. So that's different. So the West Memphis Three is who uh, was it? Johnny Depp, uh, Margaret Cho, um, Eddie Vedder, uh, Henry Rollins. So many came up and help. Uh, Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chicks. So hmm. so many of these people came in to help raise money. They raised the amount of money raised to, for the release of the West Memphis Three was estimated to be between ten and twenty million dollars. Why did they so, want them
0: released? Why did they support their release? Were oh, they convicted?
1: These publicly, well, they were convicted in nineteen ninety four, and what happened was there were three documentaries that came out by HBO. I actually can pretty much trace the notion of their innocence to these documentaries, which. Uh, I don't think were very, didn't have an integrity towards the truth. Uh, they started blaming the step-parents. And so it was perceived in the public that there was an injustice done to three, these three guys. But all the evidence, uh, you know, there wasn't much physical evidence. There was a knife. But all of the in-court evidence pointed to them uh, as the killers. Plus, after they were convicted in 94, one of the participants kept confessing over and over again. I think he confessed like five, six times. So um but so they were convicted, and so once this kind of cause cost celebrity, kill, celebrity killers, this notion that they were innocent started through these HBO documentaries, all these people got on board and raised money from a whole bunch of people uh, all over the country, 10, 20 million, got the best lawyers, and they were released on what's called an Alford plea. It allows somebody to plead guilty in court, but uh, profess innocence publicly. Oh, right, right. offered, uh, so it was a first degree murder charge that they all pled to, and then they, they pledged, uh, agreed to time served and got out August 2011. So they've been out for, you know, almost eight years now. Is that including Eccles? Eccles, Jason Baldwin, yeah. and Jesse Miscellaneous.
0: So, so, like, um, if 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 they're, you know, they were kind of on their behalf of their innocence, but could
1: they have been covering up for the ritual, possibly, and— uh, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There could have been other people there. So many have speculated, and I probably think that at that night that the boys were killed, there probably were other people there. There were a bunch of strange occurrences that happened. There was a, somebody who was found at Bulljangles, this kind of cafe nearby, the scene of the crime, covered in blood and feces and mud. Just at the same time the three young boys were killed, there was another person reported to take a long taxi drive out of West Memphis, which is right across from Memphis, Tennessee. You know, so there's all kinds of suspicious stuff that happened around the time of that. And there was actually other testimony or, or court statements that weren't in court, but statements to police by people from that in uh, city about somebody who they referred to. I think his name was, they called him Lucifer. So there seemed to have been another ringleader. And Oh, yeah, I know, know him. <laughs> yeah, well, you know the Lucifer, but there was a nickname for that. But they uh, talked about all these other occult books and all this other stuff, so very strange.
0: Yeah, so could they have been a result of, uh, you know, we, we we study about bred, groomed families that actually have these practitioners that they raise up and groom. Could they have been a family? Absolutely,
1: that- absolutely. There's speculation that the chief guy, Damien Nichols, comes from an occult family. Mom lived in a trailer. I think she was on it. Social security, uh, you know, whatever, some kind of like public assistance Welfare, for yeah. most of her life. Um, the year that they were convicted, the mother and this daughter, the sister of Damien Nichols were at a bonfire on the Mississippi where gunfire rang out and somebody ran, ended up dead. Uh, so there's all, there was all kinds of very peculiar stuff that was happening around that uh, those deaths. I think it was March 5th, May 5th, 1993 is when the deaths happened.
0: So I wonder if like the the uh, the celebrities got together to kind of protect them against the mind control of family rituals they know they been under because of course we know that a lot of celebrities are under the same and maybe they're just trying to protect their innocence of being uh, bred that way I don't know.
1: Well, if you look into Johnny Depp, you know he has he's, had he's very, a very weird interesting... guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's had made very weird choices in films and a lot of his films. If you look at the Ninth Gate, it's a stone cold. Kind of like uh, satanic progress of a, uh, uh, you know, a uh, Satanist with all kinds of symbolism, too, by the way. Um, so he was in that with Roman Polanski, who was the director, and he's been in other stuff where he's making occult gestures, etc. So uh, he was really, and there are videos on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigate, showing those two guys together where Depp is asking him questions. There's, also stuff between a guy by the name of Dave Navarro, who's a guitar player with John with uh Damian Eccles. So mm-hmm. he has like a little bit of cachet with a lot of these celebrities.
0: Oh yeah. Dave Navarro. Convicted murder, kind of by the way. way. He's,
1: yeah, he's he's currently um he's currently guilty. You know, currently he's on probation. Oh. Hmm. They all are under probation, so uh, but yeah, if you look at the occultism and the and the the tattoos of Damian Eccles, Dave Navarro, Johnny Depp, a lot of them have this kind of secret meaning.
0: That's strange because you know you know it kind of ties in ritual and such. And the fact that they got off on probation, it, it reminds me of, of of people like you know Michael Aquino, who uh, has charges against him of pedophile and abuse, sexual abuse rituals, and he goes into courts and somehow mesmerizes the jury
1: and gets off like. Well, wow. you know it's this is yeah, crazy it's stuff. It's crazy stuff. Well, you know this. These guys. Uh, I mean, if, if you ask me, they should never have gotten out of jail, right? That's what's strange is they get acquitted, <laughs> or at least well, they're not acquitted. They uh, well, were they get on probation. They're whatever. actually uh, remarkable in the in the criminal justice system because they were found guilty in 1994 in two separate courts, so there were different juries because. Of Jesse Miss Kelly, the the way that the law works, you're not supposed to be able to. They had to bifurcate the cases, but anyway, um, so 24 people convicted him, and then with the best attorney in the country, they agreed to another first degree murder conviction in 2011. Yeah, I didn't mean to quit him I mean, they uh, double yeah. convicts. Yeah, they're double convicts.
0: Well, I'm not a lawyer. I, I two of my. Faults are law and uh geography, so don't ask me questions about it either, I guess. <laughs> um so this this ties into the occult, it ties into Hollywood. Um how deep is the Hollywood occultism involved? With with the smiley face killers? Well, every you know, just overall. Well, Alistair I would just Crowley, say that, we yeah, know oh, it's a tons big of Crowley, yep.
1: Tons of Crowley uh devotees. I mean, you it's hard, you can just throw a rock and probably hit somebody. Who's in a secret society or a cult, um, and a lot of their symbolism and a lot of their meanings are put into these Hollywood movies. So, you know, you can watch so many of these different movies and see the 11s and see the symbolism. Yeah,
0: the 9s, the 11s, the 33s,
1: All right, 77s. It's incredible. Now, 77 to
0: Crowley was that the uh, number of uh, anti or
1: uh, false? prophet or something i can't remember the number Meaning, it references full. yeah it definitely references the libra oz mm-hmm. libra oz was his rights of man where you can kill anybody that gets in your way but it also um references the self-perfected man and, right uh right. you know some other stuff 77 names of satan which references the 77 names of satan in uh Lavey's satanic bible mm-hmm one of which is, uh, what's the name of it? The uh, oh, I can't remember. They use that name, one of the names of Satan, in the show Stranger Things, yeah, which no. has, like, they use all kinds of stuff, like 77s. And there's there's a smiley face in the first season of Stranger Things. So there's oh, a lot okay. of really,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm naive in shows, too. I don't watch too much TV, so. I but did. I but should be. That- if everybody's directing me to if i if i went on all the you know watched all the shows people directed me to I'd probably have like a, two months worth of just sitting there and binging but <laughs> you know there's a lot of symbolism and stuff in, in everything and yeah you know, no doubt yeah it, it's interesting how it's you know even in cartoons and it's in our face and uh, uh, um what was I gonna say about echo uh, was was he a Wiccan too
1: Eccles? yes he had he had this book called Encyclopedia of Witchcraft. So he had this by a guy who was kind of a devotee of the original witch guy, a guy by the name of Gerald Gardner, out of the UK.
0: Yeah, who was the so, founder of Wiccan, right?
1: Right. So he was the founder of Wicca, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So Damien Eccles wanted that while he was in jail, and uh, so it was it was pretty interesting that he he seemed to be. Uh, reading materials on all kinds of different subjects. They they found his, it's an interesting kind of side story about the West Memphis Three is that uh, the these guys, when they were in Arkansas, Damien Eccles and his wife got storage lockers and they forgot to pay for the storage locker. So the storage locker was sold and a guy by the name of Rob Horn in Arkansas bought it. And it just showed Damien Eccles' reading habits and people would send him books, but there were tons of books on the occult and all kinds of different other materials, but in that uh, they found handwritten notes that said, uh, "I am the devil, not not a devil, but the devil." So he wrote that about himself. And he also wrote about some BDSM kind of uh, uh, highly charged writings about h- him and his wife, you know, involving ball gags and stuff like that. So. I,
0: I see a lot of contradiction in that because, well. What, I see a similarity first. Uh, the similarity is just like Alistair Crowley wanted to be known as the Beast uh, and right. to take on all essence of, of evil and personification, this guy wanted to be the devil, almost like the same type of thing. And then the contradiction is that if he was Wicca, uh, from what I understand, Wicca's low-level uh, witchcraft, and it's it's they don't believe in the devil. My understanding, right? It's the
1: horned one. They call it the Horn God. Yeah, but that's
0: higher. Believe it or not, that's higher level. Lower level deny a whole deity altogether and say they're just nature worshippers and oh, right. naked dancers in the Interesting. woods.
1: Yeah, and, and well, that's not what happens at the higher level. No, worship.
0: it doesn't. And uh, I, my grandmother used to tell us she was a witch around Halloween, and we thought it was a Halloween gag until uh, on, on her um, uh, on her funeral, uh, a, a coven came in and danced around her coffin and then left. And I saw it, and other people didn't even see it. I, and wow, and I found crazy. out she was a member of the Daughters of the Eastern Star, which tend to be Wiccan. And I don't think my grandmother sacrificed anyone. I don't even know if she believes oh. in the deity of, of Lucifer or the devil. But that's low level. The higher levels, the adept levels, do believe in the Luciferian uh,
1: deity and the horned god, as you said. Um, right. So, you know— it, it, Well, it's it, interesting. Yeah. Gerald Gardner got his OTO charter— from Alistair Crowley, so oh, okay. we know that he and some of his rituals were supposedly lifted from Crowley rituals. And Damien Eccles was a member of the OTO when he was in jail, so the OTO is oh. actually writing about him. So Eccles not only was involved in in Wicca, but also the OTO.
0: Oh, he was he was a member of the OTO too.
1: Correct. He probably he might oh. be a member now, but back then in jail, they said that they had like an OTO chaplain who went there, and the Arkansas a chapter of the OTO has a library named after Damien Eccles. It's called the Damien Eccles Library from all the books that Damien Echols had.
0: So this kid that was involved in a murder that was suspicious, and uh, he pleaded guilty but got off on, 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 uh, on probation and such,
1: and uh, now— Well, he didn't, he didn't plead guilty originally. He actually um, was found guilty of, first, of murder in 1994 and given the death penalty. Oh, okay. So he was given the death penalty. There, were, it's a very hard case to follow because there were so many appeals, and so the appeal went to the Arkansas Supreme Court. The Arkansas Supreme Court validated. Nobody really talks about this. Arkansas Supreme Court, a totally different legal uh, venue, found that everything in the lower court was okay, let the the appeal, the death penalty stand. Then there was an appeal. There was actually a writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court of the United States the number one court in the country. thats That writ was denied. Then there was an appeal that about uh, the death penalty, the, the punishment of the death penalty, that involved a 500-page psych report that was compiled by the defense. And you can w- kind of read snippets of that psych report on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. But that psych report comes from three different uh, times that Damien Eccles was in a, psych, a mental institution, once in Oregon, where he was involved in Blood drinking and fighting and his love for the occult and talking about how he was possessed by a woman who gave him information and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. So he has quite the history. But, yeah, he was found guilty in 1994. And then there was some legal maneuvering right at the end in 2011 that involved some excellent attorneys that he had. I mean, if you have $20 million, you can get the best attorney. The appellate attorney's name was a guy by the name of – from San Francisco, Dennis Reardon. Who actually got Bobby Bonds off of, or was it Bear, Barry Barry Bonds off of like his uh, his criminal trial? I think he got a misdemeanor or something like that. But okay. uh, yeah, well, my point but, is
0: is that he he it's not that he w- was innocent uh, or, or or played guilty. I mean, I I thought I heard you say that, but but the thing is is that it's not some innocent kid. He was involved in rituals. He was involved well, in the OTO.
1: Oh no! They said before they were arrested, there was testimony from multiple sources, and the confession of Jesse Miscelli said these guys would sacrifice dogs and eat the dogs. Oh, so they were involved at this place called Stone. Yeah, they were in Stone. This place they would call Stonehenge, which was an old cotton mill where they, you know, would do all kinds of crazy stuff and, and bonfires and strange relationships. And Damien Echols had had like a son already, I believe, or his, his girlfriend was pregnant. He was eighteen, older than the other two. But he was involved, in, and he had a tattoo of a pentagram on his chest, uh, with the down, with the the point facing downward. So, he was uh, all over. And they both had, what did they have? Evil. Ta- they had evil tattooed into the knuckles of each one of their hands, or something like that, <laughs> left hands. Yeah, so, that's and that's, six, six, six on their shoes. So, so these were, guys were. Yeah, yeah,
0: they were. They were bad news right from the beginning. So that.
1: Well, they were all kind of under probation. I believe Damien Echols was under probation before 1993 for breaking and entering charge. And then Jason Baldwin was, uh, I think, uh, stole something from Walmart or something like that. And Jesse Miss Kelly was known to always get in fights. So I think they were known to the police before the events.
0: What happened to the satanic worshipers who were just subtly in the backwoods and they don't bother anybody? You know what I mean? No, just kidding. Um, So, so like, you know, Crowley made his, his, his fame in, in kind of being overtly uh, evil. Uh, was he really as evil as he came out to be? Because Crowley? Yeah, because some absolutely cause some defenders will say he wasn't a pedophile because he defended oh. children, and oh. they say his magic was basically, um, you know, innocent. It wasn't. He just did it for like stage, you know.
1: No, 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 no. He was. He wanted to be the chief of staff of Satan. Yeah. And engaged in all kinds of practice and tried to create it in a new... He actually created a kind of a satanic religion that involved all kinds of Western and Eastern knowledge. And sexual rituals, entities, we definitely know that. Sexual rituals, right. And all kinds of entities. He supposedly received the Book of Law from Satan himself in 1904. So he would use the term Iwas, but he was trying to get in contact with Satan his whole life. Right, well, right. You know, Once he became an occultist or right?
0: He was trying to so, channel to say Satan. say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, right.
1: I, well, he wrote poetry where he and Satan were one, you know, and he would always like talk about Satan. But he was, uh, there's like writings within some of his magical records where he and his wife were abusing infants. So so like they, they
0: were. Yeah, they try to cover all that up and say, oh, no. We you know.
1: Well, this is what they do. They direct you to one statement within uh, magic and theory and practice where Cruelly supposedly engaged and 250 sacrifices, and then they write that off as he was doing sexual masturbation or something like
0: right, that. Right, exactly, but yeah. But
1: then, what, what the problem with that is, is that they're relying on other people's ignorance of Crowley, because if you read Libra 66, it involves child sacrifice. The intro to our, our, the world's tragedy in other Crowley's books, the world's tragedy, according to Crowley, is Jesus Christ, and he wants to step in and be the new savior of the world the world's tragedy, but that also involves child sacrifice, so it goes on and on, and um, the the clan, you know, you, nobody's there in the rituals, but there's tons of blood drinking, the rituals require blood drinking, and the cakes of light involve blood and uh, all kinds of sexual fluids, so... Yeah, we uh, have
0: that in the spirit cooking uh, rituals right. in Hollywood. Right. By the way, that uh, Marina Abramovic lives near me. <laughs> Her country really? home is like to, Where uh, she lives in columbia Her, she's got a country home in columbia county here um in the next county over from me about uh, what state is that uh new york gotcha. and it's so she's
1: uh, up there well do you know she's tied into this whole Zhao of god this guy in brazil that she did a oh, uh, movie with him wow have you followed that guy no 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 because he was actually getting women and creating they were became sexual slaves they would have kids he would sell the kids and murder the woman Wow.
0: And she was yeah, involved well, in I,
1: that? Get this. So Podesta's involved with Pizzagate, right? That's whole yep. place called Ping Pong and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the the real thing that kind of gave away this guy, Alephantis was his Instagram accounts and all these weird people on his Instagram mm-hmm. telling inside jokes, kill room, you know, uh, Panda, all this weird stuff, all these really char- sexually charged terms. But a lot of those people, there's two people who were on his Instagram accounts on their Instagram accounts, smiley faces. Wow. Yeah, Probably I go. Like I, six, six, six. I go right. by her house
0: uh, sometimes, and uh, I, when I found out, I put it on Facebook that I found out where she lived. And the next night, I had my window smashed in my car. I was wondering if that was connected, wow. but uh,
1: wouldn't be surprised. I know. Be surprised. She's a very nasty person. She said she would go into her closet to contact spirits. So, so she, she does admit she that. So
0: it's beyond. You know, it's beyond pig blood art. You know.
1: Oh, way beyond. I think she's admitted that her art is for the public and then there's private showings that are different, right?
0: And you know what's strange is she's denied that anything she does is ritual. She says for it to be a ritual, a ritual isn't done in the public for art form. A ritual is done when it's in your own private home. But isn't this conducted in her country home? (laughs) That's what, they. I mean, double talk. They admit it. And, uh, you know, Lady Gaga and, uh, um, you know, Beyonce and the Jay Z and these people have gone to her country home to right. to do these rituals and you know it's not well, that she's like twenty a, miles she's like from here or so that's right all. she's like
1: another Damien Eccles where you don't know what's going on whether he's reading the tarot or doing these other things with people but she's clearly uh, connected right super connected
0: connected with Holly she's called the Hollywood witch that's what they dub her I mean. Right. And then these guys in Hollywood do these rituals as well. They take on Crowley
1: rituals in, in a lot of cases, don't they? Interesting. Well, I've never been able to ascertain, you know, whether they're I'm, perfect Crowley rituals, but there's so many references. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say what's going on behind the closed doors, but you know, you go through it's just like they pops up everywhere. If you look at like uh, Bourdain's girlfriend, this girl Azia Argento, if you look at her Instagram. It's all witch twenty three, Illuminati. Uh, what is it? Uh, the Illuminatus trilogy by Philip K. Digg. No, Philip K. Digg, It's Robert Anton Wilson. So you see all these like influences that permeate this culture,
0: and their sexual rituals and such. Yeah. And if if not con- conducted... I lost you there for that last one. Oh, okay. Uh, if if not um, if not doing Aleister Crowley human sacrifices, at least. Doing um, uh, sexual rituals influenced by the OTO and such. Well, I would think so. Yeah. So the OTO definitely have. I know they have a governing, um, uh, overseeing of Hollywood and performers and such. I mean, that's you
1: know that's what we're told. Well, you don't you don't know like the the initiation that happens in Hollywood. You know, you don't see how deep these guys get. Well we got so, some
0: insiders that tell us pretty much um you know we've heard from different people that have been um initiated or or let's say this um uh, enticed and, and I I have a a friend on Facebook who had um, he, the first step is to give up something that is, is easy to give up, but hard to give up, you know, in other words, you're not going to get a, a satanic sacrifice, but the first thing is like, you've got to give up your family or you got to shed your, you got to divorce your wife. And I know somebody that, uh, that was the first step to prove that part of the loyalty and he failed that first step. So he never went into it. Other people get involved and they get kind of eyesight towards a pentagram in a room With somebody laying there, and they're doing a sacrifice. And uh, we we heard stories of somebody invited to the network parties, which are more than network parties. They're actually um, initiations into rituals if you're willing to bear it. And if you wince at what's going on, you're not allowed to see anymore. But if you show interest, they will allow you to go in and have you be participant in the ritual. And that's kind of like a first-step initiation. And once they do that, they draw you in. And they uh, they entice you. Uh, you can go further, but once you're already there, you cannot whistle blow because you were involved. That's how they right. kind so of bind a, you. It. Yeah, right. it's a,
1: yeah, it's a bind. It's
0: very interesting, and this is all you know connected with evil and Aleister Crowley and such. Well, man. they
1: have. Uh, I think I forgot what the name is They're in the rituals for um, the uh, the Masons. They actually have a name of somebody who whose job it is to watch out for other people. So that nobody can be bothered. I forgot the name of it, but they <laughs> had actually have like a titular figure whose wow. job it is to keep other people out. Yeah. Wow. And now Crowley. Uh, so it's probably the same in all these. I mean, all OTO came out of Freemasonry all that stuff.
0: Right, right. All oh, connect Well, Crowley was a Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, even. Yeah. Uh, Weird noises. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I don't hear that much on this end. So. Um, you know, Helena Blavatsky was said to be a Mason, even though she was a female, uh, and and she she enticed the Masons with theosophy and such, and they cross-referenced back yeah. and forth, and Crowley was...
1: Yeah, I mean, Crowley considered her an influence, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and now he never got caught for or accused of anything he did, did he?
1: Well, that's not really true. He was kicked out of France and kicked out of Italy, uh, sometimes on odd charges. Oh, mostly okay. The espionage. Yeah, well, that yeah,
0: but not convicted for um, sacrifices or any or killings. Or no,
1: anything. no, no. But he was close. I mean, he tried to give a speech on one of these French killers that his name was Gilles de Rais. Gilles de Retz is one of his names, but he supposedly killed, tortured, raped, and sacrificed five hundred young boys in sixteenth uh, century France. And so Crowley was going to. It's actually called the Bad Band Lecture. Of Gilles de Rye, you can read it online. So Crowley was trying to give this uh, and, and indicate that Gilles de Rye was a uh, enviable character. So he was kicked out. He was not allowed to give that at Oxford and at uh, oh, what's the other one? So these two, you know, elite colleges. In he was actually forbidden uh, from recruiting anybody from these two elite co- uh, elite colleges in the UK.
0: And he had ties with the uh, British intelligence, didn't
1: he? Time, yeah, he was probably an intelligence asset from the very beginning. Really good book called Secret Agent 666 that talks about his time wow. in New York as an intelligent as- uh, intelligence asset, uh, trying to make sure that the Germans did not have any sympathy with the United States. or so, The U.S. wasn't sympathetic with the Germans, but went to war against them. And so he actually writes about that. He wrote a 500-page biography in the early 30s, published in the early 30s, um, called Confessions, where he talks about and he talks about specific names of people, historical figures who we know are intelligence assets. So um, he wrote for a German paper called the Fatherland. The other one was in the International. So he was probably actually using his occultism and his travels as a cover as early as 19 early 19th uh, 20th century, really when he traveled to Russia to, he was called the Good Time Girls, he was supposedly a concert promoter, which was really out of character, but he was probably gathering information, but while he was in Russia, he really liked the Orthodox uh, church services, and so he adapted their church services into his Gnostic Mass, which is very much influenced by Orthodox Christianity
0: that he saw in Russia.
1: Wow. Yeah. So, so he was constantly moving, but you know, he probably was doing so his time in Italy, he was probably getting information. When he was in France, he was getting information. Then he spent time in Germany. Very fascinating. He was in Germany from 1930 to 34 as Hitler kind of came to power. And uh, he was probably getting information there. You know, This and people is strange. Wrote about him. Famous... That's so strange.
0: He was tied in with Russia. He was tied in with British intelligence. He was tied in with Germany and, and Hitler probably influenced Nazism with the Lima and their version of dual well, society. Well, he said...
1: He said after the war, after everything in 1945, he said, before Hitler, I am. So he compared himself to Hitler in a very blasphemous way, you know, referencing the Bible.
0: That's just amazing how he kind of crossed all different cultures. He may have had an influence
1: of a lot of nations in the 20th, in the 20, uh, 20th well, it's, century. it's very interesting because a lot of Crowley's ideas, you know, he really wasn't a political figure, he was a cultural figure, but the... Uh, Hitler was similar to Crowley, and I write about it in my book *Children of the Beast* about their similarities, similar statements, statements that Hitler made that ape uh, statements from the Book of the Law, which is you know, success is thy proof, which means you know, you just have success; it doesn't matter what you do. That's what, and they, they both Crowley and Hitler had that same kind of attitude. Um,
0: so, just like "Do as thou wilt" has got a hidden meaning. kind
1: of yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you can see this kind of triumph of the individual will this theme within Crowley. So Crowley's famous statement is, do what thy will shall be the whole of the law, an 11-letter, 11 11-syllable, 11 11-word 11 statement. And here's Hitler. Right around that time of Crowley being in Germany, Henny, uh, Lenny Reifenstahl does a movie called Triumph of the Will, featuring Hitler coming out of the sky in a plane, this kind of symbolic figure coming out to save Germany, right? So and Hitler believed in the individual will, and that was how he kind of conquered everything, was through his own willpower, right, all the way to the end. And uh, Crowley was the same thing.
0: And then, amazingly, he had influence in society through ent- the entertainment field. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he was friends with Ian Fleming, from what I, uh, I right.
1: Heard well, you there say. supposedly was communication between Fleming and Hitler, and knew they actually kind of were around the same orbit. Interestingly, there was this guy who was a painter. His name was Augustus John, and uh, he uh, actually did about four. Kind of uh, four pictures of Crowley back in the day, in, in, in pencil. And he was a uh, Crowley considered him his admirer when Crowley wrote Confessions. He considered three people his ideal people. One was uh, Augustus John. The other was a mountain climber. His name escapes, escapes me. And then another one was an adventurer. But Augustus John. Um, he was a very remarkable person, but he had a child with Ian Fleming's mother. So Amaryllis Fleming, who was a half-sister of Ian Fleming, was by a close friend of Aleister Crowley. And so they all kind of knew each other. They actually knew each other through Crowley and uh, Somerset Mom, who wrote a book about Crowley that referenced Crowley not very, in a very clumsy manner called The Magician based upon Crowley when they had met in France. So Ian Fleming, when uh, Rudolf Hess was sent probably by Hitler to the north of England on kind of a a mission for peace, uh, which they found out later, that was probably Fleming who spoke German and lured Hess to the north of England to capture him. Once he was captured, uh, there was writing from Crowley that exists today, from Crowley to Fleming saying, you know, I'm willing to share my services. And you can Here's my references, I would like to interview Hess. So that thought was there, whether that actually happened, nobody's seen any proof of that. But it's pretty clear that Fleming and uh, Crowley were in contact, and that Fleming knew who Crowley was. And also that he modeled in the first, the first of his books, Casino Royale, the criminal or the kind of antagonist of James Bond, the shift is based upon Crowley.
0: So Ian Fleming was definitely influenced by Crowley.
1: Well, he knew a lot. I mean, he clearly knew the story of Crowley, whether he was an occultist and, you know, putting these occult things is a whole nother question. He was actually an intelligence agent, an intelligence agent uh, who worked for the British Royal Navy. So he was like uh, an adjunct to the head of the Royal Navy, which is probably the most important military arm of uh, the British Empire back then pre-war. So. To say how much he knew, he actually came from a very wealthy um, banking family, Fleming. So he was a person of wealth and probably you know, had the same opportunities Crowley did. He went to Eton twice. I mean, he went to Eton, which is probably the top school, um, you know, and kind of rubbed shoulders with people who'd also been there. But he had won. Ian Fleming was an excellent athlete. Yeah, I think he won Best Athlete of the Year twice in a row at Eton. So uh, to say that he's an occultist, is one thing, uh, whether he, I mean, it's pretty clear he knew some of the, the fundamentals of you know what Crowley was up to,
0: he had to know some symbolism because 007 goes back to John D's insignia. Right. and uh, right. the, the think, secret I, majesty. Uh, uh he, he was the cultist magician for the, the queen, so right. he had queen to have some I kind think, of yeah, right. he had to have some significance. <clears throat> I think Crowley did too, didn't Crowley it was influenced by John D.
1: I think so. I think he was influenced by all those people. I think his chief, Crowley's chief influence was a guy by the name of Eliphas Levy, who uh, influenced right. a lot of masonry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Crowley actually didn't think he was merely influenced by Eliphas Levy. He thought he was the reincarnation because Eliphas Levy died in 1875 and Crowley was born in 1875. Wow. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that he, by his admission, but Crowley was influenced. There were so many other things going on that he was influenced by. He was influenced by he was influenced by Theosophy, he was influenced by the Golden Dawn, another high post-Mason magical fraternity, and then the OTO, which was actually a German secret society. He became its head in 1925, but it's really Germans.
0: And he was uh, channeling spirits. <laughs> so, all the time, constantly yeah. channeling so spirits. he was influenced by been... them,
1: too. Right. So a lot of us, there's all kinds of scribblings and things that Crowley did trying to receive books, you know. And if you look at the actual writing of the book of the law, it looks like a received book. He doesn't really change much. And he said he received it in Cairo in 1904, uh, over three days, you know, doing after doing a ritual. So, and there were other books like that. So there was like the, he called them the whole, the holy books, like a perverted, uh, as usual, Crowley would pervert everything called Christians, the black bar brotherhood. But, uh, yeah, so there was like the received holy books that he had had, like seven books of different stuff. So, yeah, I was constantly trying to communicate with spirits.
0: I don't know if I have my tie in here, but a lot, of, some of his Thelema, Law of Thelema, uh, was taken from uh, previous uh, teachings in 1700 uh, occultism with uh, associated with Benjamin Franklin and the Hellfire Club.
1: Hellfire Club, interesting. Yeah, and there's a yeah, there's a connection
0: expecting. of some uh, someone there that that actually had the the motto uh, "Do as thou wilt."
1: Oh, well, uh, that's right. So yeah, that I can't was actually. Names. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Rabelais. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, The real Abbey of Felim Phile- Abbey of Philema was French, so it was right. by Rabelais, and then it was adopted by uh, the guy who started the Hellfire Club, whose name escapes me, but yeah, so. Curly was uh, in a line of these types of uh, these types of people. He wanted to be badder and and and
0: and more evil than all these, you know, using them as a as sort of a model it seemed. Well, like.
1: you know, the interesting thing about curly is he came from great wealth for that time and never had to work. So he was a son of privilege. And when he in his confessions when he was at um Oh, God. I can't even remember this now. My brain's going mush, but when he was in in college, he said, here I am among the glories of the past and I hope to be one of the glories of the future. So he said that from a very early age, he was, he was going home for it.
0: It's just amazing Cambridge, how, Cambridge, right. Okay. I, it's just amazing how I didn't know he had that much influence in the nations, um, interwoven into, you know, influence of nations and, and then into society and entertainment and, you know, up to right. up to Timothy uh, Leary. Timothy, Timothy, I was going to say that Timothy, Timothy and Leary and, yeah, Beatles people, and everything.
1: Nine eleven, yeah, eleven. So and, it's all there. Yeah, and so you know maybe
0: you know if he isn't the beast or an, the antichrist, he's an antichrist. And no question. He, and he's definitely um, was fueled by a Luciferian spirit that had an influence to change society one step closer to this beast system he had to i mean to have oh, that much yes. influence
1: i think that he would he wanted to create a new heaven and a new earth you know based upon his religion i don't think there's any question about that you know so um, his idea was really an aristocratic uh, government where the aristocrats governed over the sheep the slaves shall serve and he wanted to give the people the quiet wisdom of the cattle that's what was his ideal he's unashamedly a feudalistic kind of person so wow
0: well we see definitely symbolism in society numerology and calculations a lot influenced by uh, um occultism and the imagery to cast subliminal messages it, it's a it's a language and the you right. know whether it means anything to us it means something to them and you know sometimes it helps us knowing some of their language so that we can decipher some of their plans. I mean, not that we're right. going to stop it. Uh, we we figured out what their whole scheme is, but we can definitely hinder it or at least reveal it or expose it. And you know, sometimes they right. want it exposed because right. the more the closer they get to to believe that there's nothing that can stop it, the more obvious they seem to become.
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: So, unless is there anything else you wanted to talk about? And you can. No, t- t- I
1: think we covered a lot. Tell I us. Mean, uh, think, yeah. Tell everybody how, how to find you and uh, what you're working on and everything. I'm on. Uh, just working on some other stuff. You can find my books at Amazon. I've got three books there: Prophet of Evil, Abomination, and Children of the Beast. And look for my Vimeo movie to come back out. So it'll be on Vimeo, and the title again is The Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young men in the U.S. and U.K.
0: All right, William. Thank you for joining us. And um, I, I didn't know all about the the smiley face uh, killers, the inside stuff, and the connections there.
1: So, Jim, for, thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you. All right. And uh, Have a good night. yep. You too. Thank you for joining right. us. Thank you. Bye bye.